We are continuing today with the virtue of mercy and forgiveness, keys to healing a broken heart. We are going to be looking at page 101 to page 110. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. The seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, i.e. wisdom, knowledge, understanding, counsel, fortitude, piety, and fear, in Isaiah chapter 11, 1 through 4, are distinguished from both the Beatitudes and the virtues because the gifts are given through the Holy Spirit by divine inspiration, which indicates a movement from the outside. The source of this movement is God and his active desire to bless and empower his children. As such, the gifts of the Holy Spirit leads to a higher perfection that the virtues cannot reach by themselves. In effect, the gifts are perfected virtues by which you promptly obey the Holy Spirit. In turn, you are perfected by them. Aquinas paired each gift with a cardinal virtue. Prudence corresponds to the gift of counsel, justice to the gift of piety, fortitude to the gift of courage, and temperance to the gift of fear. In addition, he proposed that the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity are at the root of all the gifts. Since mercy is a virtue that falls under charity, it stands to reason that the gift of wisdom is connected to the virtue of mercy. Acting mercifully begins with the intellect recognizing the truth of the situation. There are two ways to look at it. One, it means recognizing that a person is suffering and in great need of support. And two, it means stepping back and seeing that the same person that has hurt you is trapped in his own sin, darkness, and misery. The gift of wisdom allows you to have this perspective and respond mercifully and with compassion. According to Aquinas, the gifts perfect man for acts which are higher than the acts of virtue. Mercy rises to the level of something higher or an act of heroic virtue after something horrible has occurred, i.e. murder, rape, kidnapping. And the one offended chooses to be merciful and extends forgiveness to the perpetrator. In such a situation, the gift of wisdom can help provide an understanding and willingness to act beyond what is possible without the grace that the gift provides. The moral virtues are connected to prudence in an analogous way. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are connected to the virtue of charity. To Aquinas, whoever has charity has all the gifts, and he who is without charity does not have any of the gifts. The gifts perfect the powers of the soul, while the virtues perfect the power of reason. In relation to this, Charles E. Bouchard wrote, quote, It would be difficult to understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit apart from the virtues. These two elements are tightly bound and may be the most distinctive elements of Catholic, particularly Thomistic, moral theology. 
Virtues and gifts are both habits and enduring qualities. One set of habits is relatively natural, the other divine in origin. They go hand in hand. Close quote. Living in relationship with the Holy Spirit is different than simply living virtuously. As Omera described, quote, For Aquinas, it would be incoherent and unintelligible for God to presume that a created nature could on its own live virtuously in the life of the Spirit, or that God would leave the image called to a supernatural realm without the inner means for that life. Close quote. In summary, the gifts of the Holy Spirit build upon the theological and cardinal virtues. The gifts also lead, your, lead to your perfection because they come from God and dispose you to the inspiration and assistance of the Holy Spirit. Fruits of the Holy Spirit According to Aquinas, there are 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit. Charity, joy, peace, patience, perseverance, goodness, generosity, meekness, faithfulness, modesty, self-control, and chastity. For Aquinas, the fruits are, quote, the Holy Spirit in us through grace, through which we acquire the habit of the virtues. In turn, they make us capable of working according to virtue. Furthermore, they are delightful. Close quote. Aquinas also believed the fruits of the Holy Spirit are analogous to flowers. Quote, Just as from flowers, hope of fruit is taken, so from works of the virtues is obtained eternal life and happiness. And as in the flower there is a beginning of the fruit, so in the works of the virtues is a beginning of happiness which will exist when knowledge and charity are made perfect, close quote. On a natural level, a fruit is something that comes at the end. After a seed has grown into a plant and come to maturity, such fruit is sweet to the taste, and it is produced from something else. On a spiritual level, a fruit of the Holy Spirit comes after the virtues have been acquired. Aquinas believe there are two kinds of fruit, those that you perfect inwardly, i.e. charity, joy, peace, patience, and perseverance, and those that you perfect that perfect you outwardly, i.e. goodness, generosity, meekness, faithfulness, modesty, self-control, and chastity. One of the main differences between the fruits and the virtues is that the fruits lead you to perfection, and the virtues lead you to the good. Fruits are also different than beatitudes, because all the beatitudes can be fruits, i.e. something that is pleasing and comes last, but not all fruits can be beatitudes, i.e. something that is excellent and perfect. Aquinas clarify the differences and distinctions between the gifts, beatitudes, virtues, and fruits this way. Quote, the difference from one another of the gifts, beatitudes, virtues, and fruits is taken in the following way. In a virtue can be considered the habit and the act. Now the habit of a virtue qualifies a person to act well. 
If it enables him to act well in human mode, it is called a virtue. But if it qualifies for one acting well above the human mode, it is called a gift. Hence, the philosopher, above the common virtues, puts certain heroic virtues. Thus, to know the invisible things of God darkly is in keeping with the human mode. And such knowledge pertains to the virtue of faith. But to know the same things more penetratingly and above the human mode pertains to the gift of understanding. But as to the act of virtue, it is either perfective, and in this way is a beatitude, or it is a source of delight, and in this way it is a fruit. Close quote. Thus, common virtue allows you to act in a well in a human way that leads to living virtuously. Heroic virtue prepares you to act beyond what is humanly possible, which requires a gift of the Holy Spirit. Similarly, virtues perfect you and lead you to beatitude the same way an act of virtue leads to delight and results in a fruit. The fruits are also connected to the virtue of mercy. For example, showing mercy includes a great act of charity toward another person. Being merciful may require patience, especially if the other person does not respond graciously when he is shown mercy. Perseverance can help you not to be disturbed if the other person does not change immediately. Peace also helps you remain calm during an emotionally challenging situation, especially when a great wrong has was done. Therefore, the fruits of the Holy Spirit help make practicing the virtue of mercy more possible. In summary, Aquinas has a rich and important virtue theory, and it is complemented by and raised to a new level when his understanding of beatitude, the beatitudes, and the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit are taken into consideration. Renewal of Thomas Aquinas' Moral Theology Surveys Pincares Shortly after Aquinas' death in 1274, in the late Middle Ages, change took place as the Franciscans began to emphasize equally both the will in the intellect. The work of William of Ockham, 1287 to 1347, led to nominalism, which rejected the idea of universals and the Platonic idea of essences. According to the nominalists, only individual reality exists as opposed to universal truths. Along with this was the idea that freedom precedes reason and will and is tied solely to self-determination rather than being grounded in what is good and true. In this system, the idea of a natural inclination to happiness was also rejected as something that could be freely chosen or not chosen. From this came the de-emphasizing of the concepts of virtue and habitus, which meant that instead of seeing virtue and habitus 
as essential and foundational for a coherent understanding of morality, they were seen as tendencies of which freedom could make us of or not at will. With this came the idea that God was totally free and that he was not regulated by reason, also known as divine voluntarism. Therefore, God could choose to go against the Ten Commandments if he desired to. Moreover, he could also choose to change a commandment if he so desired. And so natural law, which is built upon the idea of natural reason and basic human goods that are universal to all men, was dismissed. Likewise, in this schema, the will of God became arbitrary and was no longer tied to who God was and how God made humanity. Lastly, the highest law became obedience to obligation, such that the law was often divorced from charity toward your neighbor or toward God. Ultimately, quote, obligation became the very essence of morality. Close quote. After this nominalistic turn, a series of separations began to take place. First, there was the separation between theology and pastoral concerns, and a separation between theology and exegesis, or scripture. Later, moral theology was simplified and sterilized, as Aquinas' treatise on Beatitude was often admitted, along with his treatise on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The treatise on grace was also discarded. These omissions led to what became known as the manualist or casuistic tradition. This simplified version of moral theology focused primarily on human acts, conscience, laws, and sins. In this system, freedom was seen as being in tension with law, while morality was found in between two opposing poles. Freedom was tied to the idea of voluntarism, which proposed that the will is self-determining and has the power to act for or against reason, law, or conscience. This was contrary to the idea of natural law that works with one's freedom and not against it. Law in this sense simply came from the will and the authority of the legislator rather than from reason. Human acts became primary, and the overall goal was to determine what was sinful and what was not. Finally, the role of conscience was to interpret the law and make a judgment. In such a context, the sacrament of penance was rigidly viewed in a juridical and legal manner as priests sought to assign specific penances to specific sins. The culmination of this movement was the idea of probabilism, which proposed that if a recognized ethicist held that a given action was probable, you could follow that action even if the contrary position had a greater probability. Such a system led to confusion and ultimately a laxity that provided a way for someone to justify almost any action. Later, probabilism led to other theological approaches to ethics, 
in the 19th century, such as consequentialism and utilitarianism. Both consequentialism and utilitarianism placed great, greater emphasis on the end of the act instead of whether the means to get there was intrinsically good or evil. This departure from reason was slowed by men such as St. Alphonsus Liguori, 1696-1787, but it was not until the 20th century that a true renewal of Aquinas' moral the theology emerged, which included the necessity of integrating the idea of beatitude, the beatitudes, a return to scripture, and the essential role of the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit. One of the leaders of this renewal was Father Servais Pinker's OP, Dominican friar who lived from twelve from nineteen twenty five to two thousand eight. Pinkers was a Dominican priest and moral theologian who taught at the University of Freiburg in Switzerland for 25 years. Pinkers is well known for his contribution to the renewal of a Christological and pneumatological approach to Christian virtue ethics. Pinkers, the source of Christian ethics, has become the standard introduction to morality text in many Catholic seminaries. In the source of Christian ethics, and in many of his other works, he placed a particular emphasis on the need for sacred scripture to be recognized and appreciated as the foundation of moral theology. He focused on the teachings of St. Paul, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and the concept of beatitude. He saw the need for the role of the Holy Spirit to be primary and central to a person's understanding of moral theology, as well as the need for natural law to be accepted and valued as an important and fundamental reality. In addition, Pinkers recognized the value in deeply studying and understanding the Church Fathers and the role of philosophy in moral theology. He showed that Aquinas's virtue-centered perspective on moral theology is primary and the one through which all moral theology should be viewed. Pinkers sought a renewal to moral theology that included a renewal of the fullness of Aquinas's approach, bringing together beatitude with scripture, the beatitudes, habitus, the cardinal theological and moral virtues, and the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit. Summary. This examination of mercy has shown that one of Aquinas' strengths was his openness to integrating the work of other non-Christian philosophers, particularly Aristotle in his Nicomachean Ethics, into his own theological and philosophical reflection. While this integration enriched his theological and philosophical perspective, Aquinas was also particular about what he adopted and what he chose not to adopt into his teachings. Aquinas' teleological 
approach to ethics included the idea that primary to virtue is your search for beatitude or happiness. The virtues help you live a good life. Therefore, the virtues are the means to help you come to have a happy and blessed life as you freely choose to live in accordance with the way in which God created human beings to live. The virtues are also ends in themselves, although not the ultimate end. Mercy is a moral virtue connected to both the cardinal and theological virtues. From Aquinas' viewpoint, virtue is not simply a habit you develop, rather it is a habitus, developed through both the interior choices and the exterior actions that you make for the sake of what is good, i.e. both your individual and the common good. Aquinas' virtue-centered approach to moral theology examines the need to practice and foster moral, cardinal, and theological virtues. Understanding the cardinal and theological virtues in relationship to how they help you act in a merciful or forgiving way, Aquinas' approach, is connected to John Paul II, Steves, and Misericordia, and the work of Robert Enright on forgiveness and mercy. Mercy is shown by Aquinas to be the virtue that assists you to interiorly love compassionately and exteriorly extend forgiveness generously. Additionally, mercy is the virtue that Jesus calls Christians to practice without reserve or limits. Christians are called to imitate Jesus' own life and teaching. Furthermore, Christians are called to imitate the mercy of God the Father, which he continuously shows to individuals and collectively to all of humanity. Just as Christ is the face of the Father's mercy, Christians are called to be the face of the Father's mercy in the world. Strictly speaking, virtue is something that is natural and acquired. The call of Jesus' beatitude involves going beyond the cardinal virtues to the theological virtues, which are supernatural and infused by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit dwelling within you that allows the theological virtues to take root. The Holy Spirit is the giver of gifts and fruits that allows you to live a supernaturally infused life. The gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit also help you go beyond a normal human situation. Through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, heroic virtue becomes possible. Lastly, Cervais Pinqueros is an exemplary moral theologian who will remain true to Aquinas' desire to integrate philosophy, theology, scripture, virtue theory, and an understanding of beatitude, the Beatitudes, and the necessity of experiencing the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit. His work also contributed to the renewal and reawakening of Catholic moral theology over the last 50 years, and his approach has built upon the groundwork that Aquinas laid out in his own moral theology. Thus, Pinkers remains an important example of what a renewal in moral theology entails and his work is at the center of such a renewal. 
Mercy in the final analysis is a moral virtue that can be practiced. As with any virtue, you can get better at living mercifully. You can learn to practice mercy more quickly and easily. And eventually you can act in a merciful way such that it becomes part of your interior character. Acting mercifully is also connected to being able to extend forgiveness to another person. A great act of mercy is performed when you choose to forgive someone who has harmed you. Practicing the virtue of mercy helps to inform and inspire your choice to forgive someone who has done you harm. In a similar way, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, such as patience, perseverance, and peace, foster virtuous acts of mercy and forgiveness. Learning how, growing in, and practicing the virtue of mercy is at the heart of what it means to live the Christian life. In fact, a true Christian is characterized as a person who freely and consistently shows merciful love to others and themselves. After looking at mercy through Aquinas' virtue-centered approach, it is time to examine Robert Enright's understanding of forgiveness. Enright's approach to forgiveness is complementary and interrelated to Aquinas' understanding of mercy. So let us pray. And we give thanks to God that he desires to help us receive and integrate um, the gifts and fruits of his Holy Spirit. We pray that we might be more open to the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit um, taking root in our lives. And we pray that um, as we close out this second chapter, um, we may be able to um, live more virtuously, um, live out the cardinal and, and theological virtues. We might be able to live out the Beatitudes and receive the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.